0: Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good day, listeners. Well, I had another week off because last week I had a pretty nasty cold, but I'm back now and feeling pretty good. A bit snowy today, but uh, that's not hitting me too hard. Anyway, what have I had on my mind? I have been wanting to unpack one particular verse in Scripture. So we're going straight back into the Bible. What I wanted to unpack today is when Jesus is talking to his disciples after children have come up and he's Jesus is acknowledging them, um, blessing them, embracing them as far as we understand, but the disciples wanted them to be shoot away, essentially. And Jesus basically reprimands them. Don't, don't turn the children away. In fact, uh, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but in fact, he says, if you do not become like one of these little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I can't remember if the words were as harsh as that, but it's pretty darn close. And that's the first thing that to me really stands out about these verses. It's pretty harsh, you don't become basically like a kid. You're going to be kept out. You're going to be tossed out. You're going to be rejected. Doesn't that seem like a pretty high bar? You got to become like a snot-nosed little kid, uh, ignorant, wide-eyed, always asking why, always hungry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, of course, some being a little bit hyperbolic on purpose here, I don't mean to imply that that is what Jesus meant. But that is the first thing that kind of rises into our minds, does it not? I'm supposed to become basic again. And not just basic, but ignorant, annoying. Constantly full of energy, maybe. That could be kind of positive. So what, then, does Jesus really mean, though? Does he mean to become annoying, to be inquisitive? To always be seeking attention? Maybe with God? Maybe with the Father in heaven? Or does he mean something else? One of the things that stands out to me about how adults treat children is how much they essentially ignore them. If you're in a conversation where a child is involved, there's a very great likelihood that one or more of the adults in the conversation will simply ignore the child whenever the child tries to interject. The child tries to state something, ask a question, whatever it might be, and the child is taken as a mere interruption. Even if the child says something fairly poignant, there's a great likelihood that the adults will simply ignore whatever the child says simply by the fact that it is a child. Parents, well not just parents, but parents too, adults in general have a tendency to entirely disregard children. Another thing that adults and parents have a tendency to do is to treat children in a way, and this is something that C.S. Lewis pointed out, to treat children in a way, particularly in public, but even more so at home, that would get them completely rejected by any fellow adult. They treat them with impatience, contempt. They ignore them. They contradict them, often needlessly. They don't listen to their children at all. If they did these things to a fellow adult, to their spouse, to a friend, it would completely sever the relationship on a dime, or at least it should. But then, in addition to this, one of the things that I find very common with the great people that we read of in history or even know of today, one of the behaviors that sets them apart as far as how they behave around children is that they do Accept them. They listen to them. They acknowledge them. Jesus himself, in the very scripture that we're talking about here today, brings them in. He wants to bless them. He wants to embrace them. He wants to touch them. He wants to interact with them. And it's the disciples who behave in the same way, more or less, as what I was just describing. They want to essentially keep them out. Another character that I've already mentioned. Is C.S. Lewis C.S. Lewis had a tendency to simply acknowledge a child's input into a conversation as if it was the same as an adult's. He didn't really take them as far as I understand from what I've read of C.S. Lewis, he doesn't really t- he didn't really take children as if they had any less to say or anything less important to say than a fellow adult. They acknowledge the children as being there. They acknowledge them as being present. They acknowledge them as being human. And this is really getting down to the crux of what I see here, particularly through this scripture. The problem that many adults have with children is really a problem that they have with themselves. What they are saying through their actions is that children are something of a different kind from themselves. They don't acknowledge them as equals. They do not acknowledge them even, in a manner of speaking, as human. They ignore them. They shuffle them away. They want them to go away. They want them to mind their own business. They want them to just be with the other kids, which, by the way, is often a very fine thing to do. uh, And even better in most cases, from what I've experienced, if you have one or two adults playing with them. But having kids out uh, out doing their own thing is often great because they have roughly equal amounts of energy, whereas adults often are lacking. I don't think, by the way, that this is so much because of biology. I think this is because of how much work an adult has to do to just keep up their lives, whereas a child, well, they don't have a job. They don't have to work themselves to the bone just to live. They're being supplied for. Now, I still think the children have more energy as a whole, absolutely, and they definitely have more endurance. At least endurance for that level of sustained energy. But nevertheless, I think that the difference is not quite so severe as a lot of people try to make it in this pessimistic kind of rhetoric you get. Anyway, but yeah, back to the main point. Adults, parents alike, have a tendency to treat children as if they, in a form, aren't there, aren't human, don't matter. They are something different. And what they are saying as a result of that, or through that, rather, is that they, that is the adult, are also a being of a different kind. Something separate, something different, something totally removed from a child. That is... I think, is the problem. See, the story in this scripture is extremely poignant, specifically because we see it not just spoken, we see it illustrated in that very moment. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God himself, acknowledges the children, lets them in, embraces and touches them. It is the disciples who are still of a Corrupt mindset, who treat the children as if they should be kept separate, they should be kept removed, they should not be part of this process or interaction or relationship. They're acting out the very thing that I am describing, and Jesus is acting out the other side of it. Jesus, then, logically speaking, as a result, considers himself as not removed. From the children. He himself is not of a separate kind. He might be different in degree, but he is not different in sort. He is not something of a slightly different species or entirely different species or something like that. And he acts that out. If you were to take the disciples behavior, you would think so. You would think they did believe themselves to be of some sort of different species or at least subspecies, from the children. Now the question is, why do we do this? Why do we separate ourselves from children like this? Well, that goes back to why I started out saying what it really is is fundamentally we have this problem in ourselves, not in our relationships with children, Rather, our relationship with our own childhood selves. See, as we are growing up, some of us, in fact, unfortunately, many of us, come to a point where we distinctly want to leave behind the child. We want to be something different. Now, yes, I I know many Christians are going to be thinking right at this moment, what about Paul's words in the epistles about when I was a child, I did child, or I thought like a child, I acted like a child, I spoke like a child, and when I grew up, I put away childish things. We'll get to that. And of course, the difference here is probably going to be found in the words childlike and childish. But anyway, as we are growing up, we'll get back to that later, as we are growing up, we come to a point where we want to leave behind the child. We want to no longer be a kid. And as a result of that, we have to be something different. Now, all of us who have become adults know very well that we learned, often in a very harsh way, or at least with a sort of an abrupt thud, that our parents were really no different from ourselves at any point. They were just as confused, just as much winging it, trying to figure everything out, in over their heads, as we ever were. The only real difference is that they acted differently. They didn't let it show out on their sleeves just how overwhelmed they often were, but we, seeing that don't really take the object lesson. Instead, we have a tendency to repeat the very same error. And though we are still as often overwhelmed, confused, and so on as we ever were as a child, we try to act as if we're not. And then as a result of that, we are throwing away or casting away all the old childishness or childlikeness, the child, his or herself, in order to put on this, this facade, this idea, this image of being a quote-unquote adult. Now, why is it that we want to do that? Well, for some of us, it's simply because we want to be thought of as being very smart and competent and so on, and for a lot of us, it's because, once again, we have been abused. So going back to the behaviors of many adults that we were talking about earlier, when the adults ignore you, you try to put the child tries to give input, uh, they're treated as if they said nothing at all. Uh, they want to play, they're cast away. They're told to go play with the other kids or're told to go play with their toys or something like that. And that might be okay from time to time, but if that is on a constant basis, and if you essentially reject a child, and if you were this child being rejected pretty much any time you acted like a child, then you're being given a very clear message. To act like a child is bad. To be a kid is objectionable. To be a kid gets you rejected. To be a kid gets you treated as if you are a pariah, a mere annoyance, an obstacle and so on. Now, if you were that kid, then what on earth are you going to do except reject being a child? Of course. If you're told over and over again that to be a kid is objectionable, annoying, frustrating, and so on, then you are going to have the interest of rejecting being a child in order to accommodate the preferences of those who are mistreating you. And then we take that in, we become that as quote-unquote adults, and then we rinse-repeat. We have to see ourselves as now being part of the in-group of the adults. And as a result of that, we have to more or less throw the children off to the side. But that includes the child in you. So, what I'm getting at is that when Jesus told the disciples that we are to become like children, I think what he was really telling us is that by rejecting the children in general and the children in ourselves, we in fact have rejected something that funda- fundamentally is supposed to make us human. To still have the child within, to have the child in our hearts, the child that we once were, is to maintain our humanity in a very fundamental way. For example, earlier I mentioned the annoying why, 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 asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. Why a child does that unless they are actually trying to poke your nerves is, of course, because the world itself and everything in it is brand new to them. They're curious and interested about just about everything because they're just learning about literally everything. So, of course, they ask why. Of course, they are curious. And in my opinion, if adults take it seriously and engage in those conversations, then it's rarely, if ever, going to turn into the morbid why-why-why barrage of trying to poke the nerves of the adults. If you satisfy their curiosity, then of course they're going to continue to ask why, but they're going to ask why when they're genuinely curious because they expect an answer. If you refuse to answer, then they have frustration. But going back to it, the curiosity of a child is the fundamental acknowledgement that they don't know whatever it is that's going on or being talked about or being shown or whatever. Now, We as adults know more, yes, hopefully anyway. But do we know everything? Of course not. We just become very good at acting as if we already understand. I still do this. I'm sure we all do this. But it's something, in my opinion, that not only should we abandon this behavior of acting as if we already understand, it is in fact to our greater health that we reject it and begin to become curious again. What I'm getting at is that curiosity is an acknowledgement of humility and of ignorance and of the availability to learn. If you ask, what does that word actually mean? I'm not familiar with it. If you ask, how does this law of physics actually work? If you ask, what is truth in this area? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Yes, you are acknowledging that you don't know. And this is one of the many things that people who are trying to act like adults refuse to do because they think it makes them, I don't know, less. It makes them silly. It makes them childish, maybe. And it is one of the areas in which we reject the child. Fundamentally within ourselves. To be curious is to open yourself up to continue learning. But it takes vulnerability and it takes humility. And that is the other thing, vulnerability. This aspect of humanity in general that is poignant in childhood is another that we tend to reject as a result of, quote, becoming adults. And it's a massive travesty. Why we abandon vulnerability, well, those reasons can be very understandable. The abuses that go out towards a vulnerability are legion, and they are very, very painful. But to reject vulnerability is fundamentally to reject the openness towards healthy relationship. If we refuse to be vulnerable like a child, what we essentially are refusing is human bond. we are refusing to allow other human beings to become a part of us and us to become a part of them. That's why the child has that vulnerability fundamentally, and there are many other reasons. I'm not thinking of them off the top of my head. The child needs to bond with the people around them. Why? Because it's the only way that they're going to be safe. It's the only way that they're going to be supplied for. They're defenseless. They can't stand for their own rights or for their own interests with their own strength, weaponry, power. They don't have any. So what they do have is vulnerability and the availability of relationship, and if they have a secure, bonded relationship, particularly with their parents, they will be supplied for. And if that is not corrupted, then of course they're going to continue to acknowledge that human relationship is the way to succeed in life, and they will continue to be vulnerable, but most children are not continuously well-treated in their vulnerabilities, Their vulnerabilities are treated rather like weakness. Their vulnerabilities are treated like they are childish, silly, ignorant, optimistic, pie in the sky, by and by. And so the child, perhaps the child in you, rejects them. And you start to become something more stuck up. You start to become something more arrogant. You start to become a general facade. Because once again, the truth of the matter is, you are still that child. The only difference is that you are ignoring the fact. You are lying about it. All you're really doing is wearing a mask called adulthood. So what I think is the difference between the people who are following what Jesus says that we should do and those who are not is how much they empathize with children. Because if you empathize with a child what you are fundamentally doing is empathizing with the child within yourself. The other night I was listening to a child who had just done something wrong and she was very troubled by the emotions inside of her. And she was talking about the fact that if these emotions remain, or sorry, if these emotions were not taken away, they would likely stay with her until the day she died and went to meet Jesus. Now, most adults would have listened to that rhetoric and just said, oh, that's ridiculous. Feelings will go away. You'll be fine. And so on and so forth. They would have treated her words as if they were silly. Were her words silly? No. How do I know that? Because I was once that child. When I made a mistake, I felt absolutely terrible. And at that age, when you only have three, four, or five years of experience with life itself, how do you have any concept that a feeling that big, that deep, that overcoming could ever fade away, could ever fully diminish? Of course it makes sense what she was saying. She's not even five years old. So I didn't belittle her for what she was saying. I said, yeah, I've I've felt the same way. And as a matter of fact, eventually the feelings did go away and they went away because I learned how to not make that mistake again. Of course. That's why we have emotional reactions to things, because something happened, good or bad, and we react to it in like manner. If you empathize with the child in yourself, in other words, if you can see yourself in the child around you, then you're still connected to yourself as a kid. You remember what it was like. And more importantly, you can still remember that it is okay. In fact, it is fun, it is exciting. It can bring you to places where you're overcome with pleasure and joy. To be curious, to be vulnerable, to be open. Now, yes, as adults, we don't just do these things willy nilly in the ignorance that we once had as children. There are things that we have learned. We should have the child's heart, but the adult's head. Something like the way that C.S. Lewis put it. We have learned how to be vulnerable with the right people, and the kind of people that we shouldn't be vulnerable with. We've learned maybe what it is to have adult pleasures, such as sex. But we can still have the fascination, the passion, the joy, and curiosity of a child at the same time. Perhaps even during sex. I'm not saying that we should remain entirely with the mind of a child. But we shouldn't leave behind the things that make children great. The things that make children, children relatable. The things, in fact, that made the child we once were become the adult we now are. And wherever we abandoned that child because they were too small, pathetic, weak, ignorant, whatever is precisely where we got it wrong. Jesus calls us back to being fully human. That is what I think is the meaning of those verses. So, that's all I had for today, and as always, I hope that gives you a lot of good stuff to think about. Until next time.